The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the line of fire. You've got questions. We've got answers. And if we don't have them, we'll get them for you. Phone lines are open. 866-34-TRUTH. 866-348-7884. Any question of any kind that I can help you with, any question of any kind that's in any way relevant to the things we talk about on the air, all subjects open and welcome Those who differ with me, those who don't like me, same phone number for you to call as well and share your differences. 866-348-7884. It's got to be appropriate for Christian radio, obviously. But otherwise, go for it. By the way, sometimes we start the show on a Friday, and before we're actually on the air, every phone line is jammed. And And then it's a challenge to get through the entire show. It so happens that we have open phone lines at the beginning of the day today. So if you've tried to get through and not been able, this is a perfect day to get in early now. And this way we can definitely get to your call over the course of the next hour. 866-348-7884. We will start in Salt Lake City. Russ, welcome to the line of fire. Hey, Dr. Brown. How are you doing today? Doing very well. Thank you. Good. Yeah, I know that this whole week you've uh, been talking a lot about different racial things and, and things like that. Uh, I can tell you this. I'm retired uh, military. And uh, while I was in the military for the 20 years, we experienced a lot of racial uh, problems and different things. But we also had a lot of programs laid out in which we would uh, sit down and talk to people. One thing that I've found, and I hope that the church understands this, is that because we have a lot of racial things going on within the church, but to sit down and talk to people and say, tell me your story. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing whenever people start opening up, and there's a lot of times that they find out that their story is no different than yours, and there's a lot of things that can come out. But I, when I was stationed in, in um, I was in a little Nike Hercules missile site in Seattle. And a good friend of mine who was planning on staying in the military, I noticed that he was very negative, very negative toward the military. So one day we were sitting there and I asked him, I said, why are you so negative? And he said, because me and my wife were stationed in Germany, and while we were over there, they had a little girl, and she died. And uh, he said, so we came home for the funeral. And he said, we went into the funeral home, and he said, in there was a pine box with my baby in it, stamped U.S. Army. And he said, I'll never forgive the military for doing that. And I said, but you don't understand. He said, what do you mean? And I said, on the inside of the pine box was a casket. The funeral home was the one who did not take off the shipping container. 
And because of that, he became went on to become a senior NCO in the military mm. with a very good career. What a lesson. Yeah, you know, Russ, the, the points you're making, two things I, I want to say amen to and emphasize, and, and I appreciate the call. The first is sit down and talk to people and say, hey, I want to hear your perspective. You know what a lot of black friends have, have said to me in recent days? It's not even what you do with the information. We just want you to hear it. In other words, yeah, obviously people want you to make right choices with the information that you get. But we just want you to know what we've lived through or what life's been like for us. And this is not a blanket statement for everyone, but those that have suffered discrimination, we just want you to know that we want you to hear it. So that's the first start. Start there. But then the second thing is, is sometimes in, in general life, we, we misunderstand and misinterpret because of which we develop lifelong attitudes. And I'm not talking about this so much in the, the racial issues, but, but I remember years ago, never forget this. We were a close team of, of leaders working together. And one of the brothers on the team really felt like the lead guy in the ministry just kind of left him out or made him like a second-class citizen or whatever it was, you know? And it seemed like one thing after another built up, and he was deeply hurt. And when my friend heard it, he was shocked. It was actually the exact opposite, that he had done more for my friend than anyone else on the team. But somehow, because of the way he did it, the friend didn't know about it. And when he realized that he had completely misinterpreted things and wrongly judged this friend, I remember he sat and sobbed. I, I remember it was for hours, but it was at least an hour. I mean, I, I never saw anyone cry. He just was so, because he's a sensitive guy and he misjudged the situation. That can happen. So communicate, husbands and wives, communicate. And uh, thanks, Russ. I, I just want to tell one, one, um, one quick story. Okay, one quick story. Many years ago, uh, how many? I remember where we lived uh, about 15 years ago. I got into an argument with Nancy about something. Yeah, it's happened. We were married 44 years. The one argument, I remember. But I was sure I was, I was, sure I was right. And I was not going to humble myself. I was not going to be the first to say, I'm sorry, and be the humble one. No, no, no. Not this time. No. So at that moment, I get smitten with conviction. Oh, prob- wonderful, wonderful attitude for a child of God. Pride, you know, like pride, that kind of pride get in the way. So I humbled myself, and I went to Nancy and said, you haven't been acting normally the last few days. There's obviously something I did that I'm not aware of. And she said, oh, yeah. She just wanted me to recognize it. She wasn't mad. The moment I opened up like that, she said, it's this, like, oh, how could I have been so stupid? Of course. And it was fixed instantly. We love each other. We're married. So don't let the enemy get in the way. And especially with some of these difficulties, race issues and ethnic issues, talk and listen. Listen. 866-34-TRUTH. Let us go to Tony in Ohio. Welcome to the line of fire. How are you today? Doing well. Thank you, sir. Good. I just have a quick question for you. I've been um, kind of following um, at a distance, just trying to get as much information as I can. And I noticed that, um, you know, there's a lot of buzz around uh, 
like the Black Lives Movement, uh, Black Lives Matter movement, and aggressively, quote unquote, uh, protesting in front of like the church and in, in Grace Baptist Church in New York, and mm-hmm. and like uh, things have seemed to be getting a little crazy up there. I just wondered if if that church, if you've heard of any support from like Christian leaders um, outside of New York or anywhere else who have maybe like uh, spoken up or voiced any support or, or are they just kind of out mm-hmm. of the island? Uh, Tony, I'm, I'm not sure. I'll tell you what I, I think and I understand, but then we'll talk about what we can do to, to be sure. So once again, yeah. and like a broken record over this, we affirm, want everyone to know as Americans that we say, yes, Black Lives Matter. And we also want to make clear that we have profound differences with the Black Lives Matter organization, with their founders, two of the three female founders, openly queer, queer affirming, transgender, activist mentality, uh, all three Marxist backgrounds saying openly some of them we're trained Marxists. And I've been warning that that movement will turn against believers. It will turn against the church. Just be fully aware of that. And be forewarned yep. yet again. Yep. So it's no surprise to me that there, is, that there are protesters physically harassing, physically stopping people from going into a church building. There was quite a scene. Now, was it only because it was a church? Was it because it was a church that was also strong on Second Amendment rights? Was it because the church was not participating in the, the BLM demonstration? I don't know all the details. I've, I've read more, but I don't know all the details. In any case, it's completely outrageous. And if, if the thing was turned around, if it was a church group that disrupted a BLM protest or, or physically harassed people, it would be shouted from the headlines all around America. And, and what well, Christians, all Christians are bad. So we can see the hypocrisy by the relatively light coverage this is getting, especially on the liberal side. My guess in a situation like this, when something this outrageous Uh, gets attention is that there are already Christian legal organizations working with the church and that there are many, many believers that have pledged support and help. I I know, I I assume that based on past experience in similar situations, but Tony, I don't know it to be true. So what I would do if I were you is I'd look them up and shoot them an email or give them a call and just say, hey, I I live here in, in Ohio, but I'm praying with you and as Anyway, we can be of help. Are you getting help? Are, are there needs you, you have? And if they say, no, nobody's come to aid us and we're all alone, call me back or shoot a, shoot a note to our website and, and we will try to mobilize some people to stand with them in other ways. All right? Yeah, that's, that's great feedback. Thank you very much. All, all right. Thank you. Sure thing, Tony. Yeah. All right. 866-34-TRUTH. Hey, I don't want to forget this announcement and then we'll go back to the calls. And I'll... Friends, in years, I remember Friday with open lines like this, so it's a good time to call them. Just let you know again, it's a, it's a good time. I always hate the fact that we can't get to most callers, and it's, it's often hard to get through, especially on Fridays. But great time to try today, 866-348-7884. Okay, I want to make sure I make this special announcement to you. If you ordered my brand-new book, Evangelicals at the Crossroads, on Amazon, it's being printed right now. Our copies for our use being printed, printed for Amazon's use, and then the ebook available on Monday. So right now, time to order. Okay, hot off the press, literally, or about to be hot off the press. But we're doing something we've never done before. 
if you order on Amazon, okay, wherever if there are other websites you order it on, write to us, jot this email address down, special at askdrbrown.org, special at askdrbrown.org. Jot it down. Send the proof of purchase, whatever it is, order number, send that, and we will send you a free mini digital book, Five Ways to Pray for America, a great read, and a link to an online message, an urgent word that I brought to the church that's a, a, a private link. So go ahead and do that. If you've ordered at Amazon or if you haven't, order today, Evangelicals at the Crossroads. Crucial reading for this hour. We'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. All right, just trying to get some emails and things done during the break here. 866-34-TRUTH. Remember, if we are a blessing to you, stand with us. Your gift, be it a dollar, five, ten, fifty, a hundred, helps us continue to do what we're doing and reaching more and more people. So on Facebook... There's a donate button. You can just click on that if you're watching on Facebook, Ask Dr. Brown. YouTube, there's a dollar sign under the chat window. You can click on that and donate, or you can go to our website, Ask Dr. Brown, ASKDRBrown.org. Click on donate. Thank you. Uh, You know, we are in a situation now where the whole world is being shaken by the COVID-19 virus and then so many other things happening in our society and in other nations and many of you heavily impacted financially. My life, on the one hand, has gone on the same as always, except super, super intensified because of the craziness around us. God burdens me more. I'm praying more, crying out more, writing more, speaking more. But I'm not traveling, right? So we're doing what we're doing because so many of you have been faithful. Our torchbearers, our monthly supporters, our Patreon patrons standing with us, you have been so faithful. Thank you. I know some of you had to drop back because of financial problems, but others have have joined on. So I just want to take a minute, not even to ask, but to say thank you for your faithfulness because we're able to do this. We're able to, to, to pay our staff, and they all work sacrificially. We're able to do the broadcasts and get the messages out, write the articles and produce the material to, to bless and help you because so many of you are faithful. So thank you. And everyone that can join in, wonderful. You're making a difference. 866-348-7884. Let's go to David in Massachusetts. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hey, Dr. Brown. Uh, hey. How you doing? Um, doing very well. Thank you. I, so um, I just wanted your, 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 your expertise on this because I know that you, you know, um, I heard Dr. White actually, you know, debate some Hebrew Israelites or black Hebrew Israelites. Mm-hmm. And so I go out on the street. Um, I go out on the streets and preach the gospel with friends and stuff. We bring a microphone and we do those things. And I ran into some last Sunday when I was out evangelizing. I, I ran into some black Hebrew Israelites, and they didn't approach me, but I approached them. And I kind of, I kind of was just like, we were kind of, they kind of, they wanted to debate me and different stuff like that. So I would say, like, 
like how do you how do you see the black Hebrew Israelite movement like like from the lens of scripture obviously they're they're in error but like they don't believe they are in error and like they believe they're 100 percent right they believe that they're the true Israelites or whatever and I would just say like what are your thoughts on that and how would you get how would you get like like what what scripture would be the best to prove my point to, to them and yeah. maybe get through to them, like you know yeah, David, it, it's it's a complex question because there's not just one group. There are multifaceted groups, and some are more yeah. extreme cult-like than others. Some are deniers of, of the, the blood of Jesus in different ways or of his deity. Uh, some preach more of a salvation by works. So there, there's a range among them. But the ones that you're likely to encounter on the street will be of the more cult-like, hate-filled, uh, type. And those are the ones, I, I was smiling when you started asking, because just last night I was writing about uh, an encounter I had with them in the early 90s in New York City that got, that got pretty wild. And then last year in the streets of Charlotte. Had, now, I had the encounter because I went up to them. I mean, the truth be told, they were doing what they were doing, preaching, and I felt led by the Lord to, <clears throat> to, to go speak to them. Uh, and I did. And it was um, pretty intense both times. But there, there are two issues here, David. One is how to reach them. The other is how to reach the people that are listening, that are surrounding them, that are, that are there in the crowd. And um, number one, I'm, I don't have tremendous hope of reaching someone that is on the front lines of preaching their own faith, whether it's a radical Muslim, <clears throat> whether it's someone else. In other words, they are or ultra-Orthodox Jewish rabbi, I know God can save them, but they are zealots, just like we're zealots, okay? They are frontline zealots. They are going for it. They believe these things deeply, and there may be a crack in their armor here and there, but they're not the most likely ones to reach, just like it's going to be harder to get you to change your mind or me to change my mind. So Uh what I want to do is is two things. I, I want to conduct myself in a way that glorifies the Lord. Now, the problem is when they have the mic, you often have to shout to be heard. And that can, that can sound like you're angry. So you have to make sure that if you're trying to be heard, that you keep your, your, your calmness and, and your right demeanor. But I, would, I wouldn't argue that true. I mean, I'll talk about who's a Jew because I'm, I'm Jewish, okay? But I yeah. wouldn't make that my major point. I would say, hey, do you sin? Have you ever sinned? I, I would go super simple. Have you ever sinned? How, how, who paid for you? Why did Jesus die on the cross? And whatever wrong answer they give, I would, I would turn to the crowd and say, hey, you know, here's what, here's what the Bible says. Here's what the gospel says. See, they're telling you this, and here's what the gospel says. Don't let them shout and scream over you. What you want to do is create a situation there where the crowd recognizes their bullying techniques and their yelling and screaming and hateful techniques and you can expose that by saying, and, and, and I did that last time in Charlotte, you know, after the crazy encounter, I went to talk to individuals, you know, because they, they saw what was going on. I said, man, all that hatred, we don't need that, do we? We don't need that. We need each other. Yeah. You know, so I, I would counteract their hate with love, and I would get to the core of the gospel. And, I, you know, I'd look in this person's eyes and say, you need Jesus. You need Yeshua, if that's how they pronounce it. You need him. You need to be saved. You need to be forgiven. And if they hit you with law, this like that's not the issue. It starts with you need I'm forgiven. I know my sins are forgiven. 
I'm in right relationship with God. If I was to die, I'd go in his presence. They don't have that. They, so overcome hatred with love, overcome evil with good, overcome lies with truth. Don't fall into a debate about their charts and who are the real Israelites. And if you're from the Dominican Republic, you're this tribe. Or if you're from here, you're that tribe. They don't get into any of that. They don't fight that. Just bring it back to the basics of the gospel and love and seek to demonstrate that for those that are watching. All right? All right. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Sure thing. Sure thing. And may the Lord be with you. I'm glad you're out in the streets, David. God bless. 866-34-TRUTH. Uh, let's go over. We'll go to New Jersey. Taraf, welcome to the line of fire. Hi, Dr. Brown. How are you? First time Doing very well. What's, uh, what's the background to your name? I'm Ukrainian. Ukrainian. Okay. Just curious. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm Ukrainian. Yeah, and... Uh, so my question is, um, uh, I've been thinking about this for a long time, and Genesis 3.16, yeah. right, when the curse, and for, I remember when I first got saved, and I remember reading that, and, I, and the way they phrased it was, you know, in um, your desire will be for your husband, and he will mm-hmm. rule over you, and I always yeah. thought, like, well, what kind of curse is that? And then I, and then I remember I read, read a a Bruce Waltke book where he said mm-hmm. that it, it means uh, again, you know. And then finally, I got a new ESV Bible where I believe that they rendered it correctly, but I'm not a you know scholar. Where it says your desire will be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And for me, that makes more sense. But now I'm seeing that progressive Christians and liberal Christians are really tearing it up. So what yeah, is... so right, yeah, so Bruce Walke, of course, is a terrific Old Testament Hebrew scholar and should be yeah. respected. The, the way it's normally been been understood, Shelbach, there there are two issues with it. One, she is cursed with pains in childbirth. Nonetheless, she's still going to be drawn to her husband, and therefore she's going to be having children. But not only that, he will rule over you. Right, that was certainly not the ideal in, in the initial setting. And, and there's nowhere in the New Testament where we're supposed to, husbands are supposed to rule over their lives. We may be the head of the home, which is a responsibility position and things like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. But it's not to rule yeah. over it. So you're going to be drawn to him, right? I love to take Your desire is for him, and yet you're, he's going to rule over you. So it's going to be this situation where women drawn to men, having a need for men, wanting approval of men, even though they're going to be in these situations with the man ruling over them, and, and with that, pains in childbirth. If, if you look at most translations, um, uh, most of them, I'm just looking at some of the ancient translations into Aramaic and Greek, um, the, the new Jewish version, which is a good representation of Jewish tradition, yet your urge shall be for your husband. He shall rule over you. Uh, tra- let's see, N-E-T, uh, you will want to control your husband, but he will dominate you. I, it's possible. I just, it's a possible reading. Uh, I just don't think it's the most natural reading. So again, it could be that way. As I say, it's, the, it's not the most natural to me. It doesn't seem to be the way the ancient versions understood it either. But you could understand it as a curse in that the husband's going to dominate you. He's going to rule over you. 
you're going to have kids and, and the pain. So obviously kids are a blessing, but the pains of childbirth. And yet you're still going to want a man, be drawn to a man, but want, want a husband, even though you'll be in this dominated position, which many women are around the world. I mean, mistreated, yeah. treated like second class citizens. And yet it's just, of course, they want to marry. Of course, they want to have a husband, etc. Uh, so the, the other the other version is possible, just not the most likely to me, and, and as traditionally understood, makes uh, makes perfect sense. Hey, thank you for the call. I asked about the name because taraf in, in Hebrew is like to seize the prey. It's a good, strong word there. All right, God bless you. of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks so much for joining us on the line of fire. Welcome, welcome to the broadcast. 866-34-TRUTH is the number to call. Like we always do on Fridays, you've got questions, we've got answers. You know, before I go to the phones, uh, let me just say this quickly. I'm a debater, you know, by, by nature, Growing up in a home where my dad was the senior lawyer in the New York Supreme Court and just being in my blood and always in religious debate and whatever. So, you know, I, I love debate, dialogue, discussion. And I hate seeing error that's uncorrected. It's, it's one thing if you and I have a difference of opinion about a subject where we cannot absolutely verify the facts. It's another thing when the facts are A and someone else claims there is Z. So I'm not able to look at the vast majority of comments on our social media sites because they're multiplied tens of thousands uh, over, over, the, over the, the month or, or over the weeks. Uh, but every so often I'll see things, and sometimes they're, they're held up for approval, and I happen to be the one, so i, I got to click for them to be approved, and I'm clicking for them to be approved even though they're, what they're saying is false. In other words, they have the right to say it. It's a, they haven't violated our guidelines. They're not using profanity or engaging in a, a personal attack or something. And it's frustrating because I, I want to set the record straight. I want to correct the thing, but just have to let it go. I mean, they'll even post things about me that are inaccurate, but as long as they're not slanderous, you know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, it's a public forum. You can do it. So uh, sometimes I'll glance up at, at our screen uh, you know, look up. I've got different screens here in front of me, and I'll look up at one, and and I'll I'll see some some comments. You know, uh, in a social media thread of people watching. It's like I I want to stop what I'm doing. Maybe I'm doing an interview with someone, and I look up on the screen as as they're talking, and I want to fix that. Stop everything. Let me fix it. But that's not going to happen in this world. We correct as much as we can, but there's always going to be error, and then they're going to be different opinions. Uh, what, what gracious, gracious words from our sister in South Africa, right? Thank you. That's always sweet to see as well. Just looked up there on Facebook. 866-34-TRUTH. Uh, let us go to Sergio in Toronto. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Oh, can you hear me, Dr. Brown? Yes, I can. Okay, so I'll give you a little bit of context of what has happened. So I'm a member of a church here in the uh, North Toronto area. Okay. And 
my church when when the COVID hit and after the George Floyd, uh, I started seeing lots of my fellow believers or fellow members of the church. Mm-hmm. They all started posting things about uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, putting the the black uh, thing. And I started seeing from a lot of, of, of people even uh, things about white privilege. And if you're basically, if you're not with us, you're against us. Very, very divisive mm. um, messages. Then, so it started really affecting me, uh, affecting me emotionally. I'm Latino. I'm not really white, but you, you kind of like get thrown into the lighter skin of uh, people. Yeah. And so I wrote a letter. I wrote a letter to my elders uh, telling them that this is very divisive. If you guys don't handle this situation, um, this is going to, by you guys staying quiet, it, the division is already there. Yeah. And for the most part of the past, the, the elders of the church, they kind of like brushed it off. Well, you know what? We're just going to do a one by one. And to the point that it, it, it has become so bad. I try to engage in conversation on one-on-one to different pe- with different people, yeah. and hasn't gone the, the the right way. So, I do feel a bit frustrated uh, with the elders um, because they're bidding around the bushes, not dealing with the specific issue directly. Yeah. By the yeah. way, it's a very biracial uh, community. And can I just uh, ask I'll- you? Is is it? Uh, I, I don't want to know specifics because we're we're talking the way that we are, but is it part of a denomination? It's, or is it's it... part of a, a group of churches that is uh, has been in, in in the states and is in Canada too. Okay, so it's, it's it... pretty pretty big. Uh, All right, and and it's it's considered to be evangelical, Bible based. I would say very conservative. That's yeah, yeah. So, so Sergio, uh, let me let me share a couple things. And again, I don't know all the details, and, and I'm sorry for the frustration. Um, what's happened right now is a real is a real crisis time. It's 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 a massive crisis time, and America is being tested. But obviously, beyond America, there's a test. So, on the one hand, people want to show that they care. They want to they want to be woke to use the word that can be used in a derogatory way, but in the most positive sense, they want to say, "Hey, we weren't aware of some of the issues, or we weren't sensitive to them, or we." We, we didn't recognize fully with the past, especially in America. And we, we really want to be loving and we want to be genuine neighbors. And, and, and we understand that when someone says black lives matter and you respond, well, all lives matter, that that feels like a slight because the argument is not about all lives. The argue is, argument is about does a black life matter? And can a black person lose their life to law enforcement and, and the courts are going to back law enforcement? Do our lives even matter? So I fully understand, excuse me, I don't fully understand because I'm not black. I understand why it's important for us to affirm certain things in love and solidarity with our black brothers and sisters. At the same time, this movement, this organization, this you must conform or else, it's from below, not from above. So the movement for righteousness, the movement for justice, the movement for compassion, the movement for, for solidarity with our black brothers and sisters, that's from above. That's good. That's holy. But the BLM movement organization and, and the push and, and the symbol, and you must say it, that's mobocracy. And, it, and it's, it's Marxist in its ideology. And I have been warning day in, day out for weeks 
This will turn on you. This movement will turn on you. This movement will turn on the church. And ultimately, if you don't know, it's not just black lives matter. It's queer lives, queer lives. Now, every life matters to God. Jesus died for a human being, right? We're all created in the image of God. But this mobocracy and you must conform, it is an absolute danger. And, and many times leaders are afraid. They don't want to alienate, especially in a multiracial church. You've got to be very careful because you say one thing that's in good taste in one culture and it's an insult in the other culture. Or, you know, one culture is their, their, their truth error based. The other is honor shame based. And a lot of things to navigate. And, and it's not easy. Uh, you know, a city like Toronto is, is maybe the most multiracial city in all of North America. So often difficult to navigate, but to me, this is not difficult. To me, this is not difficult at all. You get up from the pulpit or however you're doing it online and you shout out that black lives do matter and where we see genuine injustice, inequality, we want to address that here in America where we haven't reckoned with the effects of the past on current generations, let's do that. At the same time, we absolutely oppose this movement that's led to, to rioting and looting and vandalism. We absolutely oppose this Marxist-based antichrist ideology. And we shout that out and we make a separation. And no one has the right to judge your orthodoxy, whether you recite the creed. If you don't say the right words or put the right meme up that you're not a real believer, that's, that's garbage. That's divisive and it needs to stop. How can I deal with the situation if basically I have become racist by uh, quote unquote staying quiet? Right. So you have to expose it. And if the if your leaders won't expose it, then you need other leaders. It's that simple. If your leaders will not protect you from that, if they will not expose that, especially you're Hispanic on top of it. You know, when I saw your name Sergio, it's like, okay, right. So if they will not protect you and expose that, if they will buy into the lie that if you don't say the formula that you are therefore racist, then they're not protecting the flock. They're not rightly shepherding the flock. And you need to find place where you'll be better shepherded and better protected and you can be yourself. What I would encourage you to do, Sergio, is take a minute and uh, go, to, go to my YouTube channel, Ask Dr. Brown, Ask Dear Brown on YouTube, and get the find find the video about the Black Lives Matter movement and the spirit of Jezebel. All right, and appeal to your pastors, the elders. Please take the time to watch this because there are two different spirits at work, and and you are you are compromising here. It's it's not that long. It's maybe 15 minutes, but ask them to please watch it. So it's the the Black Lives Matter movement and the spirit of Jezebel. You'll find it uh, at Ask Dr. Brown on the YouTube uh, channel there. Send it to them. Ask them to watch. Hopefully, it'll open their eyes. If not, sir, if they're going to go the wrong way with this, they're compromising to a, a world that's going to make them bow down to other things. That's, that's the reality. And, and make sure this does not push you away from your black brothers and sisters. Show your solidarity with them however you can. God bless you. Thank you for the call. And so sorry to hear you're dealing with that. 866-34-TRUTH. We go to Adam in New York. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Good afternoon, Dr. Brown. Hey. Hey, you, hi. You and your team are so necessary, and I greatly appreciate what God is doing in your lives. 
Um, go, go ahead. One of yeah. my goal. One of my goals is to eliminate man-made systems which interfere with our ability to develop our relationship with God and the ability of our faith leaders to touch our hearts and minds with God's Word. Mm -hmm. And I believe that this is the premise for the United States of America, and this is why I love the United States so deeply. The First Amendment, freedom of religion, freedom of speech. Uh, One of these one of these man-made systems is our destructive un-American federal income tax system or income tax systems at all levels of our government. I'm just going to quote a couple of verses here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deuteronomy 7, 5. Instead, you are to deal with them like this, tear down their altars, smash their pillars, cut mm-hmm. down their Asherah poles, and burn their carved images with fire. Second right. Chronicles 14.2, he removed the foreign altars and the high places, smashed the pillars, and cut down the Asherah poles. Mm-hmm. And I believe that, as stated, to eliminate the man-made systems which interfere with our abilities, right? And yeah, specifically so me, on the income... Yeah, let me, let me just jump in. I hate to cut you off, but I've got a break coming up. But here's the short answer. That's talking about idolatry pulling down the, when you conquer a land in ancient Israel, pull down their, their idols and things like that. But in terms of idol worshiping Rome, as Christians, as believers, Romans 13, 5, for this reason you pay taxes since the authorities are God's public servants continually tending to these tasks. So even though it was corrupt Rome, idol worshiping Rome, they still paid taxes to Rome. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Yes, so just, uh, obviously there's more Adam could have said, but uh, we ran out of time before the break, but but I I differed in terms of where things were, were going regarding income tax. You know, there is the rendering to Caesar, it belongs to Caesar. Caesar was wicked. Caesar was wicked, and Rome didn't use all the money properly. But Look, I, I would not like to give certain money to the government because I don't like the way the government uses all the money, but that's not up to the taxpayer's discretion. Now, if you're at a point where you're convinced that you know, you're, you're giving money to support the Nazis killing Jews, then you, you, you do what you need to do to make a break. But in any case, I appreciate the question. All right, let us go to Gainesville, Florida. Sonia, welcome to the Line of Fire. Hi, Dr. Brown. How are you? I'm blessed. Thank you. Good, good. So I have a question about, um, and I hope this is okay, about the Fire School of Ministry, your sure. school. Sure, yeah. Okay, so I, I know on some level, you know, who the school is aimed for, but what if you're somebody who just wants to grow and mature in your, you know, spiritual life, your walk with the Lord, and is that the place, is this the place for you to go? A wonderful and, place. you know, like a class at a time or that kind of thing. Exactly. Okay, now that we've put the entire program online, so this is the school that I founded over 20 years ago and our, our team still together and by God's grace with people we've taught and trained all over America and all over the world, bearing great fruit for the Lord, all to his glory, all by his grace. Now that the school is completely online, it's perfect for that. It's ideal 
for that. And probably most of the students currently enrolled in our growing student body online are primarily there for growth. And, and most of them are older than our student body used to be. So initially, for, for, until we went completely online in, in the last year, if you were to come, we wanted to know that you felt called to vocational ministry, that that's, that's what you felt called to. And you can't guarantee you're going to go into that, but that's what you felt called to and you were really willing to make the intensive investment of a couple or three years of your life to, to be grounded, to be strengthened, and to be prepared for ministry work. Um, however, we would also open up classes for night school students because so much is just like classes on the love of God, you know, or how to study mm -hmm. God's word or classes on prayer or intercession or so many other things. So now that we've put everything online, yeah, if you just want to get closer to the Lord or understand the word better or know God better or, or know how to be more effective wherever you are in life, oh, it's, it's the perfect place for that. And exactly, take one class at a time. You don't take the whole semester. Take a class. Interested? Take another. And you know what's funny? Because we've put everything online now. And students are now getting exposed to some of our faculty for the first time, and they're raving about the classes. And, and uh, Brandon, who, who runs, runs the program, was saying, you know, we kind of forgot how good the classes are because we've been doing this all these years, and we know the team. And uh, so just people taking it, drinking it in. So, yeah, fireschoolofministry.com. Uh, apply. So you still have to apply because we want to make sure it's, it's a committed believer that's, that's coming into the program. Uh, mm -hmm. But beyond that, no, you do not need a definite call. I know that the Lord wants me to be a missionary in five years, or I know I'm called to be a pastor. No, if you just want to grow closer to the Lord, grow in the Word, grow in your knowledge of God, I, I couldn't think of a better place. I mean, the classes are wonderful, and you get the full audio, so you can listen driving in your car, or you can listen while doing other work. But there's a full study guide that comes with each class. So you can sit down, look at it intensively, take notes, do all that. And then there are practical ministry assignments. You can take it for credit, not for credit, however you want. Fireschoolofministry.com. We'd love to have you as a student. So can I ask one more thing? So like the practical ministry um, parts of the class, I mean, is there, are there interactions with the other people taking the class or... Yeah, so, so there, that work? Yeah, so the, here's the way it works. Now, again, you don't have to do that unless you're, you're, you're taking it for credit. That's, that's up to you. You know, there's, okay. a, there's a test, et cetera. But the practical ministry is, is normally stuff that you can do in your local church. That's the goal, okay. stuff that you can do in your local church that's very generic that most everyone's able to do. And then what we do is different faculty comes on. I was on last week. And any students that want to come on for an hour with us, we answer questions, interact like that. So that's when you're interacting with each other. I mean, you're free to reach out to one another as much as you want. But that's okay. to be worked out in your own church, at your own schedule. Uh, as, as, so that's the f you get the full benefit of the program when you do that. But you don't have to. You can just enjoy the class and, and not have any responsibility with it, not take a test, not do anything else. Depends on what level you want to get involved. Okay. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Sure thing. And of course, I, I very much wanted to answer Sonia's questions for Sonia, but I'm answering them for everybody else. Check it out today, fireschoolofministry.com. Enroll, and then here's what I say. Just take one class. See if you get hooked. Take one class. Look at one. It's like, hmm. It's gonna be, you start with the first-year class. Oh, I'm really interested in that one. Go for it and see if it, if it strengthens you, edifies you, 
challenges you to go deeper and the Lord helps you. And if so, stay around. We've got a bunch of classes. All right, 866-34-TRUTH. Let us go to Jeremiah in Mount Pleasant, Texas. Welcome to the line of fire. Are you there, Jeremiah? Hello, sir. Yeah, go ahead, sir. Yes, sir, I am. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Um, what is your opinion on the ability of groups to spring up amongst um, and claim themselves as Christian denominations, even if there is complete falsehood, uh, even if they are based from falsehood? Um, there are some that come to my mind. I'm sure that there are some that come to your mind. Mm-hmm. And some of these developed in the late 1800s. And I'm very curious and perplexed at how and why these um, organizations were allowed to develop as Christian, basically Christian religions, unorthodox yeah. Christian religions. Uh as I see it, they control um, millions of people. Yeah. So, Jeremiah, think of it more broadly. What about false religions entirely, like Islam or Hinduism and the hundreds of millions that are influenced by them? So, so here's the deal. Jesus said in Matthew 13 that, that the wheat and the weeds are going to grow side by side and that uh, in this world there, there is going to be a mixture And Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians uh, 11, the end of the chapter, uh, he he spoke of of false apostles and false prophets, or excuse me, false apostles, and said that that if Satan could could appear as an angel of of light, it's in the middle of the chapter, if Satan could appear as an angel of light, so also his servants. And Paul is constantly fighting battles with false apostles. And some of the books of the New Testament, like Jude, written specifically to deal with rising doctrinal error and apostasy. So that's always been here. I know it's frustrating. Uh, You know, it'd be nice just to push a button and eliminate all error, but it's not going to happen in this world, which means that we who have the truth must know the truth well and must go out of our way to make the truth known and must in that respect shout it from the rooftops so that those who are genuine seekers we'll see the difference between truth and error. And then we do our best by shining the light on the darkness to expose the error, to expose the deception. But remember, Jeremiah, if something wasn't deceiving, then it wouldn't be deceptive. It has to look a certain way. It has to appear a certain way. It has to use the right terminology. If they said, we're a heretical cult that claims to be the truth, but we're leading people astray, no one's going to follow. But when you say we are the Church of the Latter Day Saints and we're a Christian and you know and sounds a certain way and we preach from the Bible and you know people get lured in because they don't know that that's it's not the real Church of Jesus and Jeremiah pray that God would lead people out of error into truth and He'll do that. Your prayers and witness can make a difference. Thanks. And again, we just want to pull all the weeds up. Jesus said, you, just, you can't do it all like that because it pull up some of the good, the, the good plantings as well. Um, all right, let's try for one more call. James in Anderson, South Carolina. Dive right in. Good afternoon, Dr. Brown. Good afternoon. Good to talk with you. Hello? Thank you. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, my, my question is really simple. Yeah. Um, I hear on the television a bunch of 
senators and so forth saying that because the president doesn't act quickly enough, there's so many unnecessary deaths. But I thought that God knew when everybody passes and that nobody passes too soon or too late. Am I wrong in that assumption or... Well, okay, number one, James, the, the people making these statements are not making a theological statement. They're making a political statement. So the last thing okay. in their mind is the will of God or not. But for sure, we see promises in Scripture. For example, mm-hmm. the, ten, the, the commandment to honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you and that you may live long and enjoy the land. Paul says in Ephesians 6, this is the first commandment with a promise. There are many verses in the Bible, live like this and your, your days will be preserved. Psalm 91, God says that he'll honor the person that lives intimately with him and that he'll give them long life. Uh, and obviously eternity is, is what that ultimately speak of. Um, it, it says, was it Psalm 55, that the wicked won't live out half their days. So God knows before we're created, he knows the day of our death that doesn't mean that that was the ideal time. It doesn't mean that, that that was the best that could have been. And certainly we know that if we take proper care of ourselves, we'll on average live longer than if we abuse our bodies. So, yeah, things we do do cause life and death. Ultimately, God is at work in the midst of it, carrying out his plans, but we have responsibility. Hey, friends. Jesus is Lord. Keep focused on him in the midst of chaos and craziness. He remains steady.